Hello, I'm Brother Michael Lankford, and our podcast is called Discipleship Answers. This is a podcast where I answer questions that I have received as it pertains to how to walk as a disciple of yod Almighty God, and of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. After more than 30 years in discipleship ministry, I have received many questions from up-and-coming disciples, and by popular request, I'm answering your questions in a podcast so that you can study while you commute or study while you do other chores. Discipleship Answers generally publishes new episodes on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays around 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. So do check back often. Today's question is one of my very favorites. How can I love Christ more? The question comes from Sophie Alperton. This is one of my very favorite questions, and neighbor, I want to thank you so much for it. The first thing we have to do is recognize how much Christ loves you. How much Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah, the Christ, and Son of God loves you. He is the Son of the Almighty Father. He lived in perfect unity and perfect harmony and perfect relationship with the Heavenly Father. Sin could not touch Him. Harm could not touch Him. Danger could not touch Him. Disease could not touch Him. Sorrow and pain could not touch Him. He was in the presence of the perfect love, perfect joy, and perfect unity with the Almighty Creator of the universe. He voluntarily laid all of that aside and poured himself into a human being called the name Jesus. And he did that for you. For your sake and for your salvation, he took up the life of a human being. He didn't have to do that. He laid the privileges of heaven aside and took on life as a human being to buy your salvation. He did that to purchase your redemption from sin, death, hell, and the grave. When he became a human being, he wasn't born to some rich and powerful family that could keep him comfortable. He was born to someone really poor that would have to work hard and do some hard scrapping just to survive from day to day. For your sake and for your salvation, he allowed himself to be tempted by the very adversary himself so that he could overcome the evil one And show us how to do it as well. For your sake and for your salvation, he experienced pain, sorrow, disease, temptation, rejection, and every other human difficulty you could imagine. Despite all of this, he still preached the truth. He still obeyed the commandments of God. He still healed the sick. He provided for the needs of the needy. He delivered the demon-possessed from oppression. He corrected the guilty. And he showed love for everyone. At the end, what did he get for his trouble? Were people falling all over themselves with gratitude and asking God to change their lives so that they would be more like his son, the Messiah? No. The people's response was to kill him, kill the innocent person, but release the guilty one in his place. His reply was, Father, forgive them, because they don't understand what they're doing. Jesus paid the penalty that we deserve for our sins, so that we could go free in his place. Jesus took up what we deserved so that we could inherit a portion with him of what he deserved. Messiah was raised from the dead so that your faith would be justified. Messiah went through all of that because he loved you and because he wants to be with you for all eternity and he would rather die and be tortured and die rather than spend eternity without you.
He returned to the right hand of the Almighty Father, having suffered so much on our behalf, and he's now up there praying for you at the right hand of the Almighty Father, so that you would inherit and fully partake of every blessing that he purchased for you at such a high price. He is praying right now for you to succeed and to overcome as a disciple. Even this very moment, he is praying that you will succeed and you would not fail. That is how much Jesus loves you. When you take the time to pay attention to how much he loves you, it gets pretty difficult not to love him back. At least you want to try to love him back, as it is written. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5.8 As it is written, In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. 1 John 4.10 This is the first and very best way that we learn to love Messiah, by taking serious stock and really thinking about how much he first loved us and what he did to purchase our salvation from sin, death, hell, and the grave. It would be tough for any truly sane person not to love someone who loves you that much that he was willing to be tortured and even killed to purchase our eternal life. I truly do love Messiah, but it is because I recognize how much Messiah loved me and made provision for my salvation long before I ever knew who he was. It's hard not to love somebody who eagerly was willing to lay down their life to save mine for eternity. The second thing we have to do is we have to learn what I call Messiah's love language. We all have a love language that we understand, meaning that some things people do for us make us feel more loved. For some people, it's receiving gifts. For other people, it's encouraging words of affirmation. But we all have something that when someone does it, it translates in our heart and in our minds and in our feelings as, oh, he loves me or she loves me. Well, Jesus has a love language too. His love language is obedience. The way that Jesus, the Messiah, demonstrated that he loved the Heavenly Father was that Messiah kept yod heh vav -Heh, Almighty God's commandments. How do I know that? Well, the Bible tells me so. The best way to love Christ is to learn how to do his commandments. As it is written, He who has my commandments and keeps them is one who loves me. How does Jesus define who loves him? By those who keep his instructions and his commandments. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and I will disclose myself to him. John 14:21. Again, as it is written, he who has my commandments and keeps them is one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and disclose myself to him. John 14:21. As it is written, Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and I abide in his love. John 15, 9 and 10. As it is written, You are my friends, if you do what I command you. John 15, 14. That is the standard that Messiah himself has established for loving him, and what he considers to be his friends. 
No genuine follower of Messiah should ever minimize or contradict that. In effect, though, Messiah and later apostolic writers were only relating something that had already been in Scripture since the beginning. Obeying His commandments is how we demonstrate that we love God. As it is written, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. 1 John chapter 5, verse 3 Do not forget that 18 times throughout the whole Testament of Scripture, God specifically equates loving Him with keeping His commandments. There is not a single biblical example that demonstrates that we can show God that we love Him by breaking His commandments or by doing the opposite of what God said to do. It doesn't even exist one time. The only way that is prescribed in Scripture to show God that you love Him is find out what His instructions are and obey them. We see that in Exodus 20, verse 6, Deuteronomy 5.10, Deuteronomy 7.9, Deuteronomy 11.1, Deuteronomy 11.13, Deuteronomy 11.22, Deuteronomy 19.9, Deuteronomy 30, verse 16, Joshua 22.5, Nehemiah 1.5, Psalm 119, verse 127, Daniel 9.4, John 15.14, John 14.21, John 15, 10, 1 John 5, verse 2, 1 John 5, verse 3, 2 John, the 6th verse. Those are the 18 examples where God specifically equates loving Him with keeping His commandments. According to John the Apostle, God requires keeping His commandments in 1 John 5, verse 3. Loving the children of God requires keeping the commandments of God in 1 John chapter 5, verse 2. Since walking in God's love and walking in God's grace both come from the same God. Walking in grace cannot mean that you don't have to do the commandments of God. The love of God and the grace of God cannot be opposite of each other. Since walking in God's love requires that I keep God's commandments, then walking in the grace of the same God cannot mean that I should break God's commandments and not keep them. You can't walk in God's love one way and then walk in God's grace by living an opposite lifestyle. That's insane. If walking in God's love requires that I keep His commandments, walking in God's grace cannot mean I shouldn't keep the commandments of God. Can love and grace be opposite of each other? Of course not. They have to be walking along the same path. The other thing to note is that breaking the commandments of God is how love becomes cold. Keeping the commandments and the laws of God is not the problem. Look here as it is written. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. Matthew 24, 12 and 13. One of the greatest lies and heresies of postmodern Christianity has been the idea that keeping God's law and keeping God's commandments somehow causes people to have less love. In other words, the belief has been propagated that if people didn't try to keep God's rules so much, they would be more loving. That idea feels good. On the surface, it looks and feels more liberating. It mixes the ideas of modern psychology with Christianity, so it sounds intelligent. The biggest problem is that it's false doctrine. It's false teaching. 
The idea that keeping God's laws and God's commandments somehow causes us to have less love runs 180 degrees opposite of what Jesus specifically said. Let's read the passage again. Because lawlessness has increased, many people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. Matthew 24, 12 and 13. Those are the words of Jesus. These aren't my opinion. But did you catch it? Realize, please, that it is not keeping God's commandments that causes love to grow cold, but it's breaking God's commandments that causes love to grow cold. It's anomia or lawlessness in the original languages. Lawlessness causes love to grow cold. Breaking the commandments of God is what causes love to grow cold. It's not keeping the commandments that causes us to have less love. It's breaking the commandments that causes us to have less love. It's an increase in breaking God's commandments that causes our love to grow cold in the last days. But you don't hear that in church very much, as we should, because it's what Jesus physically said. Why? Because the commandments of God are intended to teach me how to love God and how to love my neighbor. Every commandment you see in Scripture, whatever it is, is intended to fit into one of two categories. It will either teach you how to love God more perfectly, or it will teach you how to love your neighbor as yourself more perfectly. But if you don't do the commandments, then you don't practice the love training that the commandments are supposed to teach. It's not law-keeping that makes love grow cold. It's law-breaking that makes love grow cold in the last days. The whole point of the commandment is to teach us how to love. I want to thank you so much for your kind attention. Until I see you again next time, remember that the way God knows you love him is because you practice obeying him. I remind you of what 2 John verse 6 specifically says. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, that you should walk in it. That's 2 John verse 6. Until I see you again next time, may Yah bless you and keep you. May Yah make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May Yah lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In the name of Yeshua the Messiah and Prince of Peace, Amen.